I'm Richard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. And I'm Andrew Fraser. This is Talk Central episode 187 for the weekend starting 18 August 2017. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, real technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, ICASA attempts to deal with expiring data. Is it going about it correctly? Also this week, should the mobile operators be forced to open their networks to data resellers? Uh, plus, what's happening to digital migration? Uh, MVNO Leica Mobile to launch in South Africa, and what's going on at Dimension Data? It's Friday, and that means it's time for another podcast. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, guys? How's it, Duncan? How's it, Richard? Andrew, thanks for joining us again on the show. It's great to have you back. Yeah, hi, Duncan. So, uh, before we get on to the news, and uh, there's lots to talk about, as always, uh, let's do our quiz. Richard, do you want to do the first question? Yeah, certainly. The first question in this week's uh, quiz. Which major PC manufacturer this week reportedly reported an unexpectedly poor set of financial results? Uh, the Acosta CEO this week resigned after being suspended a few weeks ago. Who is he? Uh, third question, which industry body this week called on mobile operators to open their networks to data resellers? The fourth question, HMD Global this week unveiled the flag, the first flagship Nokia Android phone. What is it called? And for a bonus point, what processor powers it? And fifth question, which company this week announced plans to make the blockchain available from space using satellites? Mm-hmm. We'll get to the answers to the quiz, as always, at the end of the show. Uh, but let's get into our news, and there is plenty to talk about. But before we even talk about the news, Andrew... Uh, we had you on, when was it, about three or four weeks uh, ago oh, now? About a month back, yeah. Yeah, sure. and um, you gave us some fascinating insight into the world of Gupta sock puppets and uh, how they're using Twitter and uh, other social media to try and uh, stir or, or um, direct their agenda. Um, I believe that there's been some update in your investigations in that regard. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm still monitoring them and, and, and seeing what's out there, and they, they literally are thousands or literally thousands of these kind of fake accounts um, but we've seen a little kind of little bit of a turn um, during the the no confidence vote there was a, a huge amount of support for for the kind of zoom faction um, and these kind of sock puppets went on about you know how important it was for the ANC to to vote not to vote against uh, Zuma. And straight after that, we saw a lot of the messaging, um, particularly around around that story, was around how these the ANC uh, MPs that voted against Zuma were traitors, and um, MPP and various other other words were used for them. Um, and now, over the last couple of days, there's, there's quite a strong um, message against Cyril um, Ramaphosa. So it seems that the the kind of factional fight. Is, is playing out within these, these sock puppet puppets where they're just putting out this kind of anti-Ramaposa messaging, very pro, as SABC calls her, mini-Zuma. Um, <laughs> was that real? I saw that screenshot. Yeah, it was real. I think it was just a typo. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, it's slightly apt. Uh, so yeah, so it's, they're still out there. There's still a lot of them. Um, there does seem to be kind of two groups of, of some of it based locally and some of it based out of India um, and you can see the kind of difference in the, in the, in the type of thing that is, that is out there but um, it's not going away it, it kind of revolves I think as accounts get reported and mm. Twitter suspends them they just move on to, to different accounts mm. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see as we head up to the ANC conference in December yeah. how the modus operandi changes and also I mean it's, it's like a big fake news thing so I mean mm. the, the, the stuff I see on Twitter and the sock puppets is really about folk trying to get people to go onto these kind of fake mm. sites and there's there's more of them you know there's there's new versions of those things coming out all the time kind of WordPress sites that are hosted behind kind mm. of secret uh, or privacy protected Website, uh, websites yours, yeah. so you can't you can't find out who who owns them or where they come from so I think it's something that's happening throughout the world. It's just quite fascinating that it's, it's something that we can study locally yes. and it's quite focused on the local market. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's worth keeping an eye on those websites just to see what they're, what they're thinking. Yeah, I, and also if you try and read them, I mean, some mm. of it is, is it's shocking. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not readable. It's a bad attempt at <laughs> fake the, news. The English is terrible. You know, the, the grammar is awful. Uh, I mean, and that's assuming that it actually had any meaning yes. in the first place. Yes, yes. 
But uh, if, you, if you're keen to uh, find out more about Andrew's investigations into the Gupta sock puppets, do go have a look at that, listen to that episode. It was about a month ago. Well worth listening to. Um, but let's get on to our uh, news uh, that we didn't record last week because I was out in the Limpopo somewhere running over a mountain. Um, so <laughs> How did that work out for you? Um, I couldn't walk for a few days, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing all right now. Thanks. <laughs> Um, but we're back. So we've got two weeks of news to catch up on. And uh, something that broke actually just before I went away was the uh, the draft regulations published by ICASA, the communications regulator. Um, these are apparently the first in a series of planned interventions by the regulator to try and deal with uh, perceived high data pricing in South Africa, particularly amongst the mobile operators. Now, uh, they've published these uh, draft regulations. Um, uh, I think they've given interested parties uh, um, until later this month, if I remember correctly, to I think the 26th or the 28th of August uh, to respond. And presumably they'll go through the usual process of hearings and all that sort of thing. But um, they haven't exactly been universally welcomed. I think the sort of general initial response, certainly on Twitter, was, well done, Ikasa. Um, you know, these guys are getting away with murder. Uh, um, how can they even think about expiring our data? Um, so the proposals um, range from uh, expiring data within 10 days, a minimum of 10 days, for small amounts of data, I think 10 to 50 megs, uh, and uh, then going up quite dramatically. So if you buy over 20 gigs uh, da- da- mobile data bundle, your uh, data won't expire for two years. Nice. Uh, at the moment, I think the sort of general industry approach is to expire after a month or 30 days. Yeah, I think uh, it's usually 30 days or mm. th- 30 plus 30 kind of thing. So you buy it for one month and it will expire at the end of the, the following month. Yeah. Yes. Um, Which is still not really ideal, let's be honest. I mean, if you're not using it up. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the networks have always argued that they need to expire their data in order to plan their network and that, you know, not knowing how much data people are going to use in the future makes it more difficult for them to plan. But I think I think it's nonsense. I think, you know, yeah. there's there's yeah. so many customers that it's fairly easy for them to, yeah. to extrapolate what the, what the kind of mean usage is going to be over time. So I don't really... I mean, the real reason they want to expire the data is because they want to sell more. It's billing, yeah. 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 So uh, I'm, I'm kind of on Ecasa's side with this. I think that the expiry of data is... It, it's not ideal for the consumer. So I, I think that they really should consider it. I'm, I mean, two years is a long time. Mm. I think there may be some some wiggle room in terms of the length, but uh, well, I so think some, it's right. Some people have said that why should data expire at all? You're buying a product. Uh, if I go and buy a TV, exactly. it's mine to keep forever. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Um, you know, the operators argue that, they, that it has to expire. I, one, one example I heard was this is a bit like timeshare. If you don't use it during the allotted period, then you lose it. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know if that's a fair analogy to make. I've, I've had some, I mean, Vodacom had some great analogies about something about a river flowing and water flowing, and uh, I mean, it was just nonsense, <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. I mean, it, it took me 25 minutes to read this explanation. At the end of it, I was no wiser in terms yeah. of why mm-hmm. data had to expire. Um, I think it, it's a business decision. They expire mm-hmm. data because they need to plan their revenues. That's, mm-hmm. that's the reason. Yes. Yes, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a product, right? It's it's something that's more important than many other utilities, I think. In mm-hmm. some cases, you're having it expire. It's not it's not any good for the people, I think. Or yeah, the networks don't like you to say utility in the same sentence <laughs> as their names. <laughs> they don't want to be seen as utilities, <laughs> but that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just looking at the the the, de- the data bundles here that the, and the expiry periods that, that ECOS is proposing. So. One criticism that ECAS has received over this is that it is actually anti-poor in that it's the poor who buy the small data bundle. So 1 to 50 megabytes under ECAS's proposed regulations would expire or the operators would be allowed to expire it after 10 days. Now, it's the poor who are buying those small data bundles because they can't afford to buy the 10 gig, the 20 gig mm. data bundles. So is it not actually penalizing the poor who at the moment might be buying a 20 meg data bundle that expires after 30 days? Now, ECAS is giving, the permission, giving permission to the operators to say, or almost drawing a line in the sand, saying this is what you should be. You should be expiring this after ten days. Um, but I mean, currently the, the networks are expiring that stuff after twenty four hours. In some so, in some instances, you know, they are doing that. Yeah, you know, the yeah. two rand data bundle which expires. <laughs> well, as soon as you connect. But <laughs> <you know. laughs> um, but yeah, I, look, I think it's just a practicality thing. I mean, five mm. or five or ten megabytes. I mean, 
there's no way it's going to last two years. So it's, yeah, it's, it's true. a bit, bit of a moot point. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, it's an interesting one. Why have differentiated expiry periods? Why not just say you may not expire data for 90 days or something like that? Yeah, I'm sure there's a universal, I think three months or maybe six months is ideal for that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 30 days does seem a bit stingy. It does, yeah. it does. I and think, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's one thing that ICASA is, is making this noise. I mean, ICASA makes noise and it, it will play out over the next five or six years. Go as to they, court. It, it goes to court. <laughs> and they, but, I mean, today there was an announcement that the, the uh, Competitions Commission is, that's more is significant. now yeah. investigating the same issue. And yeah. that, that's significant because they are… They have teeth. They, yeah, and they use those teeth as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they also tend to be faster. So it will take a year to do the um, initial investigation. Mm -hmm. But usually what happens is when they hand over their recommendations to the tribunal, it is implemented usually within kind of 60 days of that. Yes. And they actually do proper research. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've got economists, they've got teams of experts who, and if they don't have them, they bring them in. Uh, so I, if I was one of the operators, I'd be much more concerned about the Competition Commission mm-hmm. investigation than what ICAS has got proposed. Yeah, because yeah, I, yeah. I think I mean, the networks have done it to ICASA before, is we, mm-hmm. wherever a recommendation comes out and drafts are put out that they don't agree with, they just threaten legal action. Yeah. And and they've got so much more in terms of resources to to push that out as far as possible mm-hmm. that uh, ICASA just can't keep up. Yeah, and unfortunately, ICASA makes mistakes as well. Um, we saw that in the mobile call termination regulations, which ended up in court. The the ICASA actually uh, lost that court case that was brought by MTN and Vodacom, but bizarrely, the judge said, "I'm going to implement these regulations anyway because they're in the public interest." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's public interest. Um, but just, I've got a, one last question on this on this topic. Does I don't know because I don't, I'm not a prepaid uh, voice user, but does voice expire? Surely yes. not. Surely, if you pay by 150 rand worth of voice minutes, or well, if you don't use it, your SIM card gets cut off. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, there's, it doesn't expire after 30 days. So. No, I know with yeah. Afrios, when I bought, when I back in the day when I bought, there was evergreen data. So any top-ups I did seemed to be evergreen, which means yeah. it didn't expire. Yeah. As long as you create what's called a revenue-generating event for the network, um, they won't cut off your SIM card. I don't know if there's actually a, an expiry a, t- a certain time frame in which you have to use the. Voice minutes. I don't, I don't think voice, at least not through FS, I don't think it expires. If you top I up, don't I think, think your monthly could expire, so your monthly allocated minutes, those kind of things expire. I have a prepaid SIM in, in, in a phone that I use for running with, and I just may have a note in my diary to make one phone call every <laughs> th- uh, 90 days so that the SIM card doesn't get cut off. And the, the, the balance in there never goes down, so mm. I, don't think, mm. I don't think they do terminate. But it's not an empty SIM because then your balance probably would have gone down. Right? <laughs> mm. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Uh, so the Competition Commission investigation is, is an interesting one. They're going to, they say they're going to wrap this up by August 2018, which is a year from now. That's, that's pretty soon in, in, in terms of regulation, inve- regulatory investigations and that sort of thing. But there's an interesting precedent here as well, uh, given the consent agreement that the Competition Commission agree, uh, reached with Telcom a few years ago, which was quite far-ranging. It led to the creation of OpenServe. Uh, it, it led to a much um, more clearly delineated um, a much clearer, delinea- clearer delineation between the wholesale and retail. and retail arms of telecom, and I think it's been good for telecom actually. Uh, and I think I think that I think telecom's management team under Sipo Mazeko realised that um, actually this consent agreement, if we embrace it, is actually going to be good for our business. Uh, but they went after telecom in a big way, the commission, um, and the, certainly the phrasing that they're using here in the um, press release that they issued about the planned um, investigation into the data services market is phrased using language that's very similar to the language that was used in that consent agreement. Um, you know, they went for a similar market study. They, um, they, looked at, you know, they looked at the structure of the market, you know, who has too much power, all this sort of thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to side with the Internet Service Providers Association, mm-hmm. um, which is agitating very heavily mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, the mobile operators to open up their networks open in the networks, same yeah. way that OpenServe and Vumatel and others have in the fixed line market. The argument the argument that ISPs make is that the market would be much more competitive, that we have much more product innovation if the, if the whole range of internet yeah. service providers currently servicing the fixed line market were able to bring that to bear in mobile. Yeah. When we've seen um, that to a small extent with AfriHost working with MTN. Um, yes, yeah going out there with with uh, data packages and voice packages that are much much better than MTNs. Mm. 
um, I don't and know. Service offering on their back end. I mean, all of those things you know, aids with that kind of development, I think. MTN, of course, backed out of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, was, it was starting to make them look a bit bad, I think. <laughs> they took um, a huge bath on that. If you, I think in last year's annual report, they disclosed the uh, goodwill they had to pay on that acquisition, and it was some very large nine-digit number, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good, you know. It's, uh, it, I mean, that shows that, that, that a kind of a virtual network for data is, is feasible. It can work. Yeah. You know, Avery has proved it. So I don't see why the other guys yeah. aren't prepared to, to consider it. What's the difference, though, between um, what the ISPA is, is, uh, is asking for here and the MVNO model? I think... Um, or is it the same thing? I think it's a little bit different yeah. in terms of the MVNO is really about the voice portion of it. You mm. know, so the working with the GSM uh, business, and that requires quite a lot of equipment and work from the from the network itself mm-hmm. but um, when we start just talking about uh, being a, a an ISP data it's it's much much simpler basically just you just connect you're just a pipe you know you're just connecting in so I'm, I really think that it's it, it makes sense for for the networks to actually embrace it I think mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to do more business um, allow for, for more infrastructure development. Why are they so allergic to the idea? Because they were around in the 90s and they think that they're, <laughs> they're sh- they should be given money for nothing. <laughs> yeah, maybe losing control of their network and their infrastructure because they're not going to be the guys yeah. at the forefront trying to, trying to innovate this thing. When in, in, many, in many ways, the mobile operators now are in the same position that Telcom was in the 1990s and early 2000s where they were these big beasts vertically integrated wanting to do or doing everything not wanting to open up to uh, mm. to competitors. Telcom, I think, ch- has changed out of necessity. Uh, but too know. late as well. I mean, look at all these things that they've opened up now. But Yeah, I, I think it comes down to exactly what I said earlier. It's like the networks don't want to admit that they're utilities. <laughs> that's that's fundamentally the issue. That they, they don't want to admit that. They want to be um, seen as value-adding entities. And the fact is that the world has moved. Mm. They're, they, they're now utilities. They're, they're, they're like lights, water, electricity. Data is a utility. Mm. And I think the networks that that, uh, that kind of go with that, that idea are the ones that are going to be successful. And we've seen that. I think telecom is, has grasped that. Mm. They've realized that, that it is a utility. And stop, you know, don't try and differentiate on that be the best utility. That's the way to work on it. They are the first operator that's really gone for a data-led approach. Um, in fact, their latest plans on fixed line shows us that they actually do get it, right? Because mm. they, they're giving away voice now. Voice is free on telecom. Free in inverted commas. Yeah. Um, you can make unlimited phone calls. I think they've got the infrastructure and they, that's a card that they can play much mm. easier than the network operators can. Yeah, but they're still protecting a, protecting a massive le- voice mm. le- legacy voice business. Mm. Telecom's yeah. voice business is... It's dead. Mm. That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. They know they can give it away because nobody's <laughs> using it. So. Yeah, when last did you pick up a telecom phone and made a call? Mm. When last did you use a public telephone to make a call? When last did you see a public telephone? Oh, there's still pay phones <laughs> around, yes. <laughs> I haven't seen one in a long time. <laughs> but, but as I say, I mean, that, 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 is, that is just grasping that the, the concept that you are a utility and working mm. with that. Look, I mean, telecom is, on the mobile space, is mm. a distant number four. Um, so they can afford to do it. I mean, what's going to happen? They, they can't fall further down the, down the ranking. Um, so I think it's worked for them. It's definitely got them new customers. It's changed people's uh, opinion of telecom, I think, to an extent. But um, I think Vodacom and MTN, and probably MTN more than Vodacom, mm-hmm. really needs to grasp that, that concept. Um, I think Vodacom has still got a, a stronger kind of brand equity where they can maybe argue that they are the best at everything. Mm. I don't think MTN can do that. Mm. Yeah. And Cell C, where does where's Cell C in all of this? Um, fast follower. Yeah. You can, it's okay to be a fast follower. You know, you don't have to be the best. You don't have to be mm. the first. You can just be there and thereabouts. Yeah. And I think that's their, that's their aim. Yes. And of course, Cell C is uh, uh, now... Um, owned 45% by Blue Label. That deal went through, I think, 10 days ago. Their debt reduced from $23 yeah. billion to $5.6 billion. Um, 
So not everything about the Middle East is bad. <laughs> they, they took a bath on Celsi. <laughs> they did. A lot of money spent. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch Celsi uh, over the next year now that uh, they have been restructured. Are they able to be more nimble in the market? Are they going to become more aggressive? I think taking away that huge debt burden mm. makes it a, it, it a very different business. You yes. know, it means they can, they can start investing a lot more in terms of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. They can be more aggressive. I think they can be faster as well. I mean, mm. Blue Label is a... They're quite a nimble company. Mm. So I think, yeah, we'll see some exciting stuff out of them. I mean, the, the, the biggest issue that they had was just that massive debt. Yes. Um, and now the debt is reduced. I mean, it's, 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 it's significant. I mean, what Ogre lost in that, in that transaction is, is huge. Tens of billions. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Actually amazing that they were prepared to do that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, how desperate they were to get out of... <laughs> <laughs> how, many, business. how many more billions were we going to lose? Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about that um, that other subject that we always talk about when where nothing actually ever really happens. That's digital TV migration. Andrew, you wanted to weigh in on this one. Yeah, I was reading. I, I was reading an article of yours the other day, um, and our new um, Minister of Communications, it's uh, uh, Minister Lodlow said that they're going to finish it by the end of next year, which is fantastic. Um, but there wouldn't seem to be, didn't really seem to be any other details in terms of how they were going to do that. We've heard this before, haven't we? Yeah. Um, yeah the, what's it? The, I love the deadlines, the sound as they we make as past. they rush past. <laughs> Douglas Adams. Yeah, she's, um, so she said that they'll finish it by the end of next year. Um, but we still don't have any clarity on whether she is going to include encryption or not. We don't know whether the piles and piles of already existing set-top boxes, which are evidently sitting in a post office storage facility somewhere, um, include encryption or not. Um, whether they are going to, to roll out with encryption, because she can do it mm. if she wants. Um, there was a story that she's now got a, an industry council that is going to advise her, but there's no details on who they are, who nominated them, and when they're going to meet. So I'm interested to know how she knows they're going to finish this project by the end of next year when she hasn't even spoken to this council that's going to advise her on how to do it. So, yeah, I'm, you know, color me unimpressed with... Uh, with with kind of predictions that yeah. she can finish a project which is which has now been going on for eleven years without any any kind of indication of of reaching finality. No, indeed, indeed, and uh, there's certainly been. How long has she been in the role now? It's at least a couple of months. She's been there since the end of March, so it's not okay. That's like that, she should have said more enough, than she know? said. Yeah, first thirty days is the time that you yes. get in and yes. figure out what you need to do, and another thirty days to start rolling out some some action. Yeah, um, you know, and after the the Concord decision, um, which basically vested the power in her to make yes. a decision. Mm. You know, that's that's really what it did. Mm. Um, and she's, she hasn't. You know, there's nothing really happening. So I don't know if the department has got any plans or what they're doing, but I can't see how. Um, it's assumed that they suddenly everything comes together and they get together and they talk and they put out a, a, policy, a final policy um, by the end of this year. I can't see them finishing that project in a year. It's just it's not feasible to do that. Um, so, yeah. Especially if they make a big change on the encryption side of things. Yeah, look, I'm assuming they won't. Okay, so let's, let's assume that they don't do that. They, they decide that they will go without encryption and they'll just put some kind of, they'll have some control mechanism to look after the state subsidized ones. Um, the question is, is like, what, are the, what about the ones that are already built? Mm. Is that... Is that what they've got, or do they have to be reworked? Well, I think who's going to pay for that? The ones they've got don't have encryption in, so that would be the easiest thing to do. Don't they? Or do they? Because there's no information. No. 
There's they no, the, nobody's the, saying. The manufacturers weren't supposed to build them with encryption. I believe that some of them may have in fact done that. <laughs> hedging your bets and build 50 50. <laughs> Uh, oh, yes, it actually has encryption. Just switch that, switch yeah. it back. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a firmware upgrade. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, and the other thing is that whenever there's this article and they, they start talking about this migration, they, they mm. keep pulling out this thing and say, we've already started the migration in the Northern Cape um, and we've issued set-top boxes, but they just don't mention those boxes are all satellite decoders. Yes. They're, yes. not, they're not terrestrial decoders. They're satellite decoders, and, and they, they do include encryption yeah. because for satellite you have to include the encryption. Um, and they had to do it by a certain date because of the SKA yeah, project. because of the SKA project, mm. you know, and also because of the leakage from uh, Botswana and from yes. Namibia right. because they've already Started finished moving. their migration. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I, I can't see it finishing by the end of next year. And if she does make a decision that they're going to switch off analog, I can see that there may be some issues. <laughs> it's called a three-year migration project just to yeah. get the guys on. Well, by the time they finish this, no one's going to be watching analog television anyway. <laughs> yeah, everybody's well, going to be yeah. using the... And you know, we'd, like to, we'd like to say that, but the fact is that there's a massive no, no, part of the population is. that still no, there is, is reliance on that. Saying it in jest, but, yeah. uh, but you're right. The bulk of South Africans still rely on the SABC on analog television to to consume television services. The, the the crazy thing though is that if she hadn't, if they hadn't made such a big deal about it, the the general the normal market, if they'd made it a very simple process mm. with it, without adding all the kind of fluff to it, mm. the market would have just handled eighty plus percent of the migration yeah. for her. Yeah. New televisions would have had the decoders built into them for, you know, people that were buying new sets. Because it's 10 years. Hmm. How many people still have a 10-year-old television? Very few. Very few. They've, yeah. they've replaced them <laughs> by now. So in that 10-year or 11-year process of, hmm. of messing around, they could have said all new televisions should have this in it, this uh, decoder, this tuner in it. And the market would have handled it. They wouldn't. The government wouldn't have had to spend five billion rand mm -hmm. to to subsidise set top boxes because most of the televisions would have already had the, the tuner built in. And the network's been ready for years. I mean, Centex built this thing. It's actually broadcasting every they, day. Centex has built two networks. They're running two networks they've, they've built They've built two digital terrestrial networks. Mm -hmm. They built a, a, a DVB. Oh network. yes. Uh, T, T network, yeah. and then a T2, and then they had to upgrade it to T2 yeah. after the the debacle with deciding on whether we were going to use ISDB or <laughs> DVB. Yes. Um, so they've done it twice. Semtex, to be fair to them, they've done a great job. Yes. But you know, f to no avail. It's eleven years later, and we still don't have a. It must be driving them crazy. I mean, they're running this network which no one's watching. Uh, they're having to maintain this old analog network at no doubt huge expense. Yeah. They're running this duplicate digital network, which maybe 100 people in the whole country have access to. <laughs> oh, it's frustrating. But, uh, yeah, you're right, Andrew. I, I think uh, December 2018 is being rather optimistic. Well, yeah, but it's just a deadline after all. Pick a date, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's be, we're, what, now two years past the, the, the official um, ITU, ITU deadline. deadline. Mm. So, yeah, what's another two years oh. after that? Let's do it in 2030. <laughs> it's, just, it's just annoying because, mm. you know, there's so, many, there's so many better things that we could do with that bandwidth. With exactly, that, with that that's spectrum. the problem. That's you know, the real problem. Yeah. That it's just slowing down mm -hmm. the, the, the access to, to new mm -hmm. spectrum. And that, to be honest, takes us back to the first point, you mm -hmm. know, is like the, the data for the networks. Yes. If there's more spectrum, data becomes cheaper because mm -hmm. they, they can manage their, their networks better. So yeah. in whose interest is it not to let this thing go live? I think we should start there. Well, conspiracy theorists would argue that uh, the government doesn't want information in the hands of, uh, of all of its citizens. Um, but I think that's I think that's, yeah, I think that's, that's going into conspiracy theory territory. So yeah, the, I think the real, the real issues, I mean, when it goes back to this, it's, it's, it's pork barrel stuff. Mm. Um, it's all about um, who can make money out of the process. Mm. And mm. The, the, 
the, when the, the, the whole project was put in place, the argument was that they wanted local production. And that was, that was probably the one thing that messed it up because mm. there was no, there, there's no way that for the, for the volumes that, that we need in South Africa that local production can Great ever sense. really be competitive internationally. Yeah. Mm. And what you ended up with was a whole lot of um, new entrants who were just trying to make money mm. on a government project using taxpayer money to actually fund the, the project. Mm. And really, that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's about money. It's like, mm. where, where's the money going? And that's what's taken so long. And it got very ugly. I mean, I went to some of these industry forums where some of these set-top box manufacturers, prospective set-top box manufacturers were mm. presenting, and uh, the, the, there was animosity and, and screaming and swearing and... Uh, uh, I think there was even violence at one of these yeah, events yeah. at one point. Uh, I mean, the the the, the organisation that was going to handle it split yes, down the middle. Yes. It was like two separate things. They both kept the name, yes. so you didn't actually know who was who was That's arguing. Right. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 a bit of a farce, and mm. it, I say it just goes back to you. The protectionism that was kind of put in place in the beginning mm. was a mistake. It there, there was no real reason to do it. Um, they were trying to generate an industry that really wasn't competitive and the volumes didn't justify it. And I think that's really the point is that if, if you know, if we were a, a 200 million market, then maybe it would be okay to do it. But with, with 50 million people, it's just it's physically, the, the market isn't big enough to, satis- to, to justify setting up an industry, especially with multiple suppliers. Mm. And what happens once these set of boxes are built? Um, did these businesses just disappear again? Uh, I suppose the idea was to foster some sort of electronics manufacturing industry around this, uh, but there was—I no, don't think there was a clearly thought-out strategy of exactly how these business, what else these businesses were going to manufacture post the set-top box. Well, that's it. exactly the point. Is like so after you've produced five million boxes, then what? What's the yearly demand going to be? Mm. You're going to sell maybe another half a million a year. Mm. But you've got six or seven different manufacturers all competing for what effectively is a low-margin, low-price product. Mm. It's just, it's just not sustainable. We need to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Bitco is revolutionising the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fibre internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fibre is not a luxury, but a necessity for business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Honey, why can't I download any more series? Dad, my game just bombed. Daddy, I was speaking to Kevin and my cord just cut out. With uncapped Vox Fiber to the home, reaching your cap is a thing of the past. You can have all your devices connected all the time. Get unlimited browsing, unlimited calling, and unlimited entertainment. Vox Fiber. Now uncapped. T's and C's apply. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Well, welcome back to Talk Central. How's it, Rechard? How's it, Andrew? How's it? Hmm. So, Leica Mobile, have you heard of Leica Mobile before? Leica Mobile? Leica Mobile. Leica Mobile. Leica Mobile. L-Y-C-A Mobile. The name seems familiar. I've seen that, uh, if I recall. They are apparently the biggest MVNO in the world. They operate in about two dozen markets around the world, uh, predominantly, I think, in Europe, Mm. uh, also South America. Uh, And they're coming to South Africa. They are going to be launching here uh, imminently uh, on the back of CellC's network, so yet another MVNO on CellC. And uh, they haven't announced pricing yet, um, but uh, what caught my attention was the fact that these guys claim to be the biggest in the world. Uh, certainly MVNOs in South Africa haven't really taken off. Uh, Virgin Mobile has kind of potted along and not really yeah. gone anywhere in particular. Uh, F&B launched, uh, F&B Connect. I'm not sure how successful that's been, but um, I, I don't uh, certainly don't come across a lot of people using F&B Connect. The only guys bought iPads and iPhones on their plan got the SIM card, the F&B SIM card. You got the SIM card? No, I said only people that bought the iPhone oh, and right. the iPad through okay. them probably have the F&B SIM oh, card. Oh, I see. Okay. 
Yeah, um, but uh, interesting. It's going to be interesting. Uh, the MVNO market has gotten a little more competitive in South Africa. Um, South Sea has, has built a, a platform uh, to support these companies. And um, some big brands have gone on to it. Mr. Price, mm. MRP mm. Mobile uh, comes to mind. Uh, there's a company started you by you and me, me mobile. Yeah. They're quite small, but uh, there's a there's a platform created by Steve Bailey, who's the former MD mm. of um, Virgin Mobile in South Africa, and he's launched a whole bunch of these things. Mm. Um, I think there's one. This Boxel Afrikaans, mm-hmm. uh, Boxel <laughs> Afrikaans cellular network. Buy dot on Afrikaans. So really built around uh, communities and brands and that sort of thing. But it certainly doesn't seem to have taken off in the same way as it's taken off in Europe. Mm. Uh, so, like a mobile coming in, I don't know if that's going to change change it in any way. I mean, they seem to be going to push uh, cheap international calling. Uh, I was just going to say, roaming could be a potential uh, hook for them, you know, especially if you do travel a lot. Get a SIM card, local and international calls. I guess we need to sense. see. I guess we need to see their pricing before we can uh, yeah. really get a feel for where they're going and uh, what they're going to, how they, how they might perform in this market. But I really wish we'd see an MVNO launch on another network. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit of a one-sided affair at the moment. Mteto Nyati, when he was still uh, MTN CEO, uh, said that they're going to build an MVNO platform uh, for, or a platform for MVNOs. I don't know what happened to that, whether that disappeared with his exit from MTN. Um, Vodacom seems entirely allergic to the idea. Uh, and uh, Telcom certainly doesn't offer any MVNOs that I'm aware of. But why is that? Because I would imagine uh, from if I, if I just think in, in business terms, having having dealers essentially selling your product under various guises, you're still reaching potential audience that you would not maybe reach otherwise. Yes, mm. you might lose some of your own customers to that, but why be that allergic to it when it'll almost certainly boost to bolster your revenue? Mm. I don't know the answer to that question. There was a uh, an ISP, and I'm like frantically searching on Google here, um, that was talking about doing a data uh, MVNO on Vodacom. Oh. Um, and I'm reaching into my memory. It was about six or so months ago. I do vaguely remember a headline, um, actually. I just want to look at Does the word crystal web ring a bell to you? No. I've heard of them, but I, it doesn't ring a bell in that I'm context. I'm fairly sure that they were talking about using Vodacom's network. Um, but it could just be an APN that they've they've bought, like a yeah. business APN and just, just reselling it like on a on a small scale, not as a, an actual I see a couple operator. of headlines here. IT Web saying Crystal Web launches mobile data yeah. less than a rand a gigabyte. Um. So I think probably just an APN. Mm. Buying an APN on a on a um, on Vodacom's network and yeah. just reselling the mm-hmm. reselling data on that. Um, I suppose on a small scale you can do that fairly easily, but not really large scale. So, Dimension Data, they've been in the news for interesting reasons lately. A lot of speculation, a lot of it coming out of Bloomberg that uh, there's some corporate action going on there. Uh, first, the report was that they may be interested in buying Dark Fiber Africa. That seemed to be related to a roadshow that Dark Fiber Africa was doing, and that seemed to fall by the wayside. Then there's been subsequent speculation that um, NTT is looking to offload Dimension Data Africa. Uh, I spoke to the executives at, at DD, and they strenuously denied it. There's since been speculation that, in fact, the Dimension Data management locally is looking to buy it from NTT and relist it on the stock market. Hmm. And then now there's also speculation that MTN and Vodacom are potentially involved in a bidding for either Dimension Data Africa or for Internet Solutions. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of smoke and uh, no doubt some fire behind this. Mm. Um, where, where it's going, I don't know, but, um, but it, it's pointing towards some sort of consolidation in this, in this space. Uh, Internet Solutions is obviously a very um, prized asset mm. uh, and could fetch a lot of money. Uh, especially if there's a bidding war between Vodacom and MTN for mm-hmm. it. Uh, and I suspect that's where a lot of this noise is coming from. Uh, Internet solutions, I think a lot of companies are interested in potentially. Um, the price that was being bandied about for Internet solutions on one Bloomberg report I saw was 8 billion rand. Wow. I was uh, looking at $600 million. Dollars, yeah. Uh, 
where this is going, I don't know. It's just it's just speculation, which I suggest I suspect means there's been lots of people talking to each other with mm. nothing firm actually happening behind the scenes. Um, maybe there's some leaking going on by certain companies that are hoping certain things will happen. Uh, but interesting to see that uh, the local dimension data business might be in play, uh, especially uh, given that it wasn't all that long ago that the NTT deal happened. Uh, yeah, that was a 24.4 billion rand acquisition at the time. Um, what does it say if, if NTT is looking to sell its local operation? What does it say about the SA and broader African market that they might be considering a sale? Um, uh, it's all, all speculation. I must say, as, as I said, when I spoke to Dimension Data about this, they just missed it out of hand and said mm. it's absolutely not true. I've always looked at the Dimension Data IS situation as, as like it just feels big and bloated. I think it can be much leaner. And in fairness, I did work for them for a, for a year or two, so kind of I saw a little bit of the inside. And I do think they can be leaner. I think they can be um, much better businesses. And I've always looked at them as a bit bloaty. You know, as a, there's just too much happening. There's just too many entities. You're talking about Dimension Data broadly, the whole the whole the whole group. Yeah, all those companies that are related, and mm. it just seems like you can come in there and just. Uh, 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 make it a little streamlined, you know, make it a lot more streamlined just to, I don't know, it just seems like there was a lot of fuzz around. That was just my perception. Sure, sure. Just looking at the kind of Google results, it all seems to come from Bloomberg. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be any kind of, uh, you, if any other article says, yeah. Bloomberg says. It's all from no, Bloomberg. It's yeah. all from Bloomberg. Mm. So mm. either they're really, really close to, to what's happening and they've got a scoop or Dave, just making something up. We like to post things very quickly. <laughs> yeah, but, but Bloomberg has a reputation for not making things up. So, yeah. um, you know, they, they, you know, they're being fed, they're being fed information, or they're, um, or they're doing some proper investigative work. Who knows? But um, Dimension Data is one that bears watching for sure. Mm, some, something is going on. Something is going on. Just don't yeah. know quite what yet. I've just looked at five different articles, and every one of them says, Bloomberg recently reported that. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So Bloomberg's a good source. <laughs> there we go. And that takes care of our news this week. Let's move on to our regular features. Um, I thought I'd pick our winner as the Levy brothers, Brett and Mark Levy from Blue Label Telecoms, for pulling off what uh, undoubtedly is a very complex deal, buying C and restructuring the debt of that organization, mm. and getting the guys from uh, the Middle East to... Uh, Right off all that money as well, yeah. um, and uh, you know, Celsius is in a, in a in a strong position now, or strong certainly a much stronger position than it was, and uh, it's certainly the biggest deal that the Levy brothers have ever done. Um, they're uh, they're interesting guys. They're born and grew up in Delmas and on the far east rand, uh, and um, they've worked their networks well, and they've um, they've built a robust, sizable business in Blue Label. Uh, and uh, they're certainly not uh, scared to take on some challenges and some risks, and that's what they're doing with the sell C deal. So uh, I thought uh, it'd be worth making them our winner this week. And our loser this week is Pagamile Pongwana, the uh, now former CEO of ICASA, who was suspended just a few weeks ago and has now uh, stepped down uh, in mutual agreement with uh, the council of ICASA. City Press uh, published a story, uh, um, I think it was not this last weekend, but the weekend before, saying that uh, there was an investigation into uh, sexual um, misconduct against him. Uh, he, step, he stepped down before the uh, investigation could run its course, uh, and um, he's our loser this week, Pagamile Pongwana, CEO Vikasa. Uh, seems to have kind of thrown his career away a bit there. Yeah, this, it, it is a bit of a poison chalice, Ikasa, isn't it? <laughs> um, you know, it's just like, when's the last time you heard of somebody, like, left Ikasa and went on to great things? <laughs> Very true. Very true. Um, Andrew, did you come with a pick this week? I have a pick, which is um, part of my Guptabot uh, research. Okay. Um, I was uh, pointed towards a, a local company called Paterva, who make a kind of forensic um, mapping software um, called Multigo. Um, and it's really, really quite incredible stuff. I discovered later on that, um, I don't know if you know of Carly Linux, which is uh, the kind of hackers, hackers mm -hmm. Linux. Um, this comes kind of pre-installed on it. Um, and it's, it's a fantastic um, 
package that allows you to to build connections between different entities. So you can do it. You can go and investigate a, a website, and it'll go and basically pull up all of the connections within that website as to where it's hosted, who the name server is, oh, yeah. who owns cool. it, pulls it all up, and it maps it all out very very carefully. Um, you, if you go to a big company, you can actually map out the company. It'll start pulling all the people that are in it, what their email addresses are. It's a fantastic forensic tool, and, and it's just brilliant, but nobody knows about it. Um, so if anybody's got a bit of time and wants to do a little bit of uh, forensic analysis, is go and check out uh, Multigo. I think they're on their fourth iteration now. Um, the community edition is is free to download. It, um it's a li- bit limited in terms of how many kind of things that you can actually map, but it's it's great to play with. Um, and then they have a whole lot of kind of paid versions, which uh, allow you to, uh, to to dig in a little bit deeper down to kind of 10,000 transforms. Um, and they, because I spoke very nicely about them on Twitter, they gave me a, a, a short free uh uh, license, so I've been playing around quite a lot, trying to like dig into a couple of websites and stuff. It's it's really good fun. Cool, I'm gonna have a look at it. Very cool. Yeah, I'm gonna try that out. Richard, what's your pick? Um, so I recently played with a little gadget called the uh, A Data Eye Memory Module, and essentially it's a I don't have it here, but you, it's a it's a USB memory stick mm-hmm. um, with a Lightning connector on the other side, which uh, obviously allows you to transfer files between iPhone or iPad and your computer. Um, I liked it because you could back up stuff directly to it. So I could back up my entire iPhone to it, all parts of it, or all my photographs, or I can transfer photos and video back. Um, I see a, I see a big appeal in people with 16 gigabyte iPhones because um, you know 16 gigabyte was just a basic iOS installation these days. Basically, mm. fills it up. With this, you can plug it in and actually play movies and music directly from um, this memory module, which is pretty handy, I think. Cool. Um, yeah, that's the A-Data iMemory Flash Drive. It's available in 32 gigabytes, 64 gigabytes, and the 128 gigabyte versions. How much does it cost? Um, the 32 gigabyte version is about 800 bucks, and the 128 gigabyte version is just under 2,000 rand. So, I mean... <laughs> The, I like the 32 gigabyte because it's quite affordable, and for mm. people with 16 gigabyte iPhones, I think it's a great accessory to buy. Because yeah. my wife had one that always ran out of space. So with right. this, you know, if if you have, uh, you know, you can either back up or just have files run off there all the time. Mm. Pretty mm. cool. By the way, I don't know if you saw that uh, joke that was doing the rounds on Twitter this week. Uh, there was a picture of the new iPhone. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> There's no space anymore for the home button, so now. Apple will sell you an optional home button which you play with. <laughs> it's a dongle now. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good laugh. That's, that. that's good. <laughs> On that point, though, just as a side note, Twitter, did you see the news about uh, Apple going to uh, allow you to disable the? Um, the fingerprint reader on your iPhone. I saw a headline about it. What's what's the point? Well, uh, so that the cops can't force you to unlock your phone with your fingerprint. Is that the reason? So <laughs> for criminals, I think it's a but really good update. But you don't need to register your fingerprint in the first place. No, no you don't need to. You so need to. it seems. But doesn't it for? Uh, so, so you can actually operate your iPhone. I've never yeah, you can, not had you it on. You can set it up and just use a passcode. So can you switch it off very quickly with? Maybe maybe that's the feature they're putting now. Maybe it's a. Two tap and it disables the fingerprint scanner. <laughs> hey, At the airport, it. let's switch it off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great stuff. My pick this week is something called the Great 78 Project. Uh, Internet Archive. Internet Archive, yes. Oh, yes. So it's a plan to, to uh, uh, archive as much in digital format, FLAC format, as much of the old like, 78 RPM records. Now, this goes way back before any of us were alive, I think, <laughs> back to the 1950s and earlier. Um, uh, it was a popular m- way of buying music, um, 78 RPM records, and now this uh, initiative um, to archive as much of the material as possible is underway. And um, yeah, I mean, a lot of this music is, you know, it would have disappeared otherwise, I think. Yeah, um, that's, it's a fantastic project. Mm. I, I, I stumbled onto it, and I've actually, um, on Twitter, I've actually got... The, the feed from them so every time they oh, right. they, they add a new new um, 78 I get a little Twitter notification oh, nice. um, and it's some, some of it's I mean some of it's horrendous I'm sure a lot I mean, of it's it's like really bad <laughs> <laughs> but some of it's like really interesting stuff I so mean it's fr- stuff from like yeah. 1898 
you know, yes. up to in the 1950s. Yeah. And, and, and from right all over the world, Eastern yeah, Europe, all over. Asia. And you can now use it royalty-free, I would assume. Right? Well, yeah, so, I mean, the copyright is, has, has ended. It's a 50-year copyright, so, I mean, most so of the copyrights... It's a great resource for video makers, because I'm always looking for new yeah. music to add on somewhere. Fact, I'm looking but at original Dixieland One Step here by <laughs> Rosie McCargue. Memphis Five. Maybe we can make that our new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's listen to yeah. it first. Let's <laughs> listen to it, yeah. Let me press play and see if the Wi-Fi works here. It's a bit dodgy today for some reason. You're going to get some there snap, snap crackle and there we go. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> Reminds me of those old Disney cartoons. Yeah. There we go. Very um, cool. So go check that out at, um, what is the address? I've closed my window. Great78.archive.org. There we go. We'll also include that in the show notes. And apart from our quiz results, that's our show for this week. Um, Andrew, do you want to kick it off with the first question? Uh, right. The first question was, which major PC manufacturer this week reported an unexpectedly poor set of financial results? And that was Lenovo. Um, what was the reason for that? They, uh, it was a multiple. Uh, their smartphone business is not doing so well. You know they bought Motorola yeah. Mobility. Uh, that side of things doesn't appear to be doing that well. But they've also, their PC business has taken a bit of a smack. Um, HP and Dell seem to be quite resurgent at the moment, mm. bringing it, out quite good computers. anything to do with the, the memory prices and battery prices? Because a lot of the guys were complaining that memory prices are, have spiked. And because of electric cars, yeah. battery prices have spiked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how much of a role they played, but yeah. they've lost market share relative to the competition, so it would suggest that it's um, Lenovo-specific issues. Their yeah. problem, not, mm. not a general one. Mm. So the second question, the Acasa CEO this week resigned after being suspended a few weeks ago. Who is he? And that, of course, is Pagamile Pongwana. The third question, which industry body this week called on mobile operators to open the networks to data resellers? And the answer there is the Internet Service Providers Association. And the fourth question was, HMD Global this week unveiled the first flagship Nokia Android phone. What is it called? And for a bonus point, what processor powers it? It was, of course, the Nokia 8. And the the CPU in that is a Qualcomm Snapdragon 5, uh, 835, which is pretty much the same as in uh, Samsung S8, I think. Yeah, in the US version of the S8. Yeah. It's a nice-looking phone, I must say. I'm looking forward to uh, getting some time playing to play with it. They've, they've gone with that, a similar concept to Huawei in terms of the, the camera. They've got a dual camera, yes. so one, one color, one black and white. Yes. Um, should be quite interesting. Mm, and yeah. also a, a, one of those stupid ideas that you can take a, you can take a selfie and a picture at the same time. <laughs> yes. Why? It's got three 13 megapixel cameras. It's for people taking video, obviously, who want to include themselves in a video, which is actually yeah, a good they, feature they, for the They call it a, a bothy. A bothy? No way. You can take a picture of yourself and somebody else oh, at the no. same time. <laughs> I, saw, I saw the term bothy in one of the articles and I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> Burn that idea I now. wish I could un-hear it. And our last question this week, which company uh, this week announced plans to make the blockchain available from space using satellites? And that's a company called Blockstream. And I, that's I, I don't understand. Why do you need a satellite to access the blockchain? Yeah, I don't quite understand it either. <laughs> Send your bitcoins so to I think, Mars. I think the idea is that it will be universally acce- accessible where there's, no, where there's currently internet no internet. Internet isn't required, potentially. Mm. I'm not sure. But surely you could just... Any kind of internet connection will give you access to the blockchain. So yeah. why would you need maybe it's a back or specifically a satellite? <laughs> just, just I suppose the same anyway, reason you use. I'm a sat- sure there's a reason. It just I don't understand so it. It's when you need to access the blockchain when you're in the middle of the Amazon jungle, you know, as yeah. you do. Yeah, <laughs> using a satellite phone. Fantastic. That's our show. As always, if you've got any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Info at techcentral.co.za is our email address. Andrew, thanks for joining us on the show this week. Oh, thanks very much. And uh, Rehot, I will see you again next week. Sure, yeah. Until next time. Cheers. Ciao, ciao. Cheers.